0: If you brought your Bible, please open with me to Ephesians chapter four, verses seven through ten. The title of the message being "Walk Equipped." Uh, if you have uh, if you have the sermon, or excuse me, the Sierra Bible Church app already, you can uh, look in the app, and you will notice that there are sermon notes available for you to take notes uh, regarding the sermon, kind of as we walk through it. If you don't have Uh, The app, you can find us. uh, You can either text Sierra Bible NV space app to 77977 uh, or go to your app store and search for Sierra Bible Nevada, Sierra Bible Reno, and it should pop up. There. Also, if a question about the sermon comes up uh, and you would like to hear it answered, we do a sermon QA podcast uh, each and every week about every message that we do. And we publish those to iTunes and to various uh, podcast places. So if you have a question about the message, make sure you email iron at sierrabible.org and we will answer all of your wonderful questions about how big Jacob Connell's biceps are. Uh, on the podcast. Well, everyone knows that summer is coming. Anybody excited for summer? Uh, wow. Okay. Even though y'all don't go to school, you're excited for you're excited for summer. Summer is a wonderful time, and summer, especially in the mountains and in the Sierra Nevadas, that means it's camping season. Uh, everyone knows that camping. Uh, who goes camping, uh, that there is one crucial point that either makes or breaks a camping trip. It's not the weather. It's not uh, not whether your destination is beautiful or not. The thing that makes or breaks a camping trip is equipment. Equipment. You can even camp on the side of a 3,000-foot face of a mountain if... You have the proper equipment. And what we are going to see is today is that because we have been given grace in Christ, we can walk with him and walk equipped. Because we have been given grace in Christ, if we are believers in Christ, we should and we can walk equipped to do everything that god has called us to do Uh, today we're going to see two truths that kind of fuel the very fact the very spiritual reality that we have been equipped by christ and the two realities are this everyone gets equipped everyone who is a believer in christ gets equipped and your equipment comes with a guarantee Everyone gets a, gets equipped, and the equipment is guaranteed. Uh, we have a tradition here at Sierra Bible Church to honor the reading of God's word. Uh, so, if you are in Ephesians chapter four verses seven through ten, uh, we but look at you. You are so in the routine that you know it before I even say it. If you are able, please stand with me as we read and honor the reading of God's word in Ephesians chapter four verses seven through ten. God's word says this. all the heavens, that He might fill all things. You may be seated. And let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you worshiping and praising you for the goodness of your grace towards us in Christ. God, we we pray that here today, that the message from Ephesians would equip us to do everything that you are calling us to do, that it would encourage us to exercise our spiritual gifts that you have given to us in Christ. And pray, God, that you would use this message to further advance your mission in Reno and Sparks through an edified and built-up and unified church, spreading your message and declaring your love and living as a united body of Christ. Thank you for all that you've done for us in Christ, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Now, everybody loves Easter, right? Easter it was just two weeks ago, and we had this wonderful celebration of the resurrection of the Son of God, that Jesus died for our sins, that he was raised uh, three days later, and that he has, in the aftermath of that, poured out his Spirit upon The church. Now, when we celebrate Easter culturally, usually we don't talk about the giving of gifts quite as much as we do in uh, Christmas. Christmas is the arrival of Jesus in his incarnation, the best gift that we could ever receive. But there is still some cultural vestiges of giving gifts on Easter. Uh, I'm sure many of you gave gifts to your children or your children's children through an Easter egg hunt. It's a fun, wonderful tradition of giving gifts to people. Based in the resurrection, based upon the true Easter event, not of any bunny, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ... the the resurrection of jesus christ the very true easter event guarantees that every single believer in jesus christ who has put their faith in christ who believes in the resurrection the resurrection guarantees that every single believer is given a gift in the resurrection we see grace has been given the resurrection of Jesus Christ throws open the floodgates of God's grace and his mercy. He, it pours out the specific gifts of God's grace on people. Just like on Easter Sunday when Pastor Jonathan arose 30 feet in the air in the lift to dispense Easter gifts to children, In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God fully unloaded his grace. Now, let me be clear. We did not do this as some symbolic spiritual metaphor or anything like this. We did this solely because it's fun, and we own a lift, and Pastor Jonathan is crazy, and I let him be. And we love children, and we love giving children gifts. And it makes for a pretty cool video of Easter eggs flooding our courtyard. But this grace that God gave to us in the resurrection, through faith in Jesus Christ, in the resurrection, it wasn't just flooding the earth like the, the eggs flooded the courtyard. The grace that God has given to his people was assigned to specific individuals. It was given with reference to specific persons. Look at what it says in verse 7. Grace was given to each one of us. In verses 1 through 6 of chapter 4, it is this call and this appeal to corporate unity within the body of Christ. Walk in gentleness, patience, humility, love, peace. Walk in the unity that the Spirit provides. It's this corporate call to continue to walk unified. Now, in verse 7, Paul transitions and he says, now to each one of us, this isn't just a corporate call to be unified together collectively as a church, it is an individual call for every member of the body of Christ to understand they have received grace for a specific purpose to be used in deployment of their specific spiritual gifts. The theme of grace giving, of gift giving, is, is through verses 7 through 11, Christ's giving. Verse 7, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 8, he gave gifts to men. Verse 11, he, Christ, gave. These verses, they are, as they are unpacked, we're going to see the generosity of Christ's specific gifts to specific individuals to empower them to walk worthy of the calling that God has given to them. One commentator writes, Christ sovereignly distributes his gifts to all the members of the body. The recipients are not limited to some special group. Each one of us is to be understood comprehensively. Since it includes Paul and his readers, none misses out on Christ's Bounty, We're we're the children at the bottom of the lift in which God is unloading his grace and he has a specific gift of grace for each one of us. So if, if we're sitting here, we would pick up a specific egg and realize our name is written on that one. This one is designed intentionally for you. This is your spiritual gift that I am giving to you as a gift of my grace. As you open up this gift and deploy this gift, it will make sure, it will ensure that the body of Christ is built up. Christ is not a poor gift giver. Not all believers have the same abilities. We don't all receive the same spiritual gift. But make make no mistake: if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have at least one spiritual gift. And Christ, He knows what He's doing when He gives gifts. I was reflecting on uh, uh, I was reflecting on this this week. As uh, preparing for the message and I remembered kind of cycling through all of the gifts that I have been given by other people in my, in my life and I came across in my mind one uh, Christmas season probably ten, 7 to 10 years ago, I was a new pastor and uh, somebody in the congregation, in you know, uh, the church that I was serving at the time came up to me and handed me a DVD and said Merry Christmas I received it I looked at it, and I said, "Thank you." And the person kind of noticed could re- read my facial expression, "You've never heard of this movie, have you?" I was like, "Nope." And he explained he, ex- he, he explained the entire movie to me, and even after the explanation, I thought to myself, "Why in the world would you think I like this?" And we left the conversa- we left the conversation, and we left the conversation, and in the back of my mind, I thought, you know what? He got that at his work white elephant gift exchange, and he is just passing it along to me. I think we still own the DVD, and it's somewhere still wrapped up, and I still haven't even watched it. Christ is not like that when he gives you a gift, When you come to Christ and he gives you a specific spiritual gift, it is intentionally designed specifically with your your inclinations, your strengths, your weaknesses, your personality. All of that is specifically and sovereignly understood to give you the specific gift that he has so that you might walk equipped to build up the body of Christ. He is an intentional gift giver. And he has a specific area of service for every single believer. No one gets excluded. No one can make an excuse. If you are a believer in Christ, you have been given a gift, a spiritual gift, at least one spiritual gift that he expects you to use. He expects you to deploy these gifts, not because you're so great, not because you're so awesome, but because he desires to show off his grace to this world in his church. If you are in Christ, you have been given a gift, and Christ expects you to use those. Now, in order to kind of think through this, Can you think of one area in your life, one area in your life in which you say, whether consciously or subconsciously, whether you do it for this reason or just underneath it all, if you unpacked your motivation, this would be your reason. Can you think of one area of your life to which you say, I'm not getting paid for this? I'm not doing this for reputation, I'm not doing this for accolade, I'm doing this solely because Jesus loves me, he died for me, he rose from the dead, and he has empowered me to do this area of service. I don't care about the public accolades, I don't care about the reputation, I don't care about the financial remuneration, I only care about doing this because I love Jesus, and he has loved me. Can you think of one area of your life in which that is true? And even if you are getting paid for that, if you were to say in the depths of your soul, even if I wasn't getting paid, I would still continue to serve Jesus in this way. If you can find that one area in your life, in your spiritual walk, then probably you're operating in your spiritual gift. Most likely, that's an area of your life in which Christ has called you to serve and he has equipped you or is continuing to equip you to serve so that you might build up his body here on earth and that he might be glorified. I remember as a young man, I had absolutely no ambition to be in ministry whatsoever. As a teenager and as a young man, I was on a career trajectory that was much different than what I was doing now. And through a season of of prayer and fasting, God unloaded into my life an understanding of his grace that just said to him, God, I only want to serve you. Whatever I do, whatever area of vocation you call me into whether that's a businessman a lawyer a plumber or a doctor I just want to serve you in whatever area of life you're calling me into and I remember sitting in church during this season of my life where I'm praying God where are you leading me God what are you desiring for me to do I remember sitting in church being in the position where many of you are in right now hearing a pastor teach the Bible and I remember just thinking to myself I can do that. I think I can do that. Not because of pride, not because of arrogance, but because I I saw what he was doing, I saw how he loved God's word, and I saw how people were being built up, encouraged and edified by his teaching, and I thought to myself, I think I can do that. Now that doesn't mean I went to him right after the service and said, next Sunday, you're out, bud. I (laughs) I am standing in the pulpit. But that opened up a door in my heart to say, God, if you want me to lead a Bible study, if you want me to teach a Sunday school class, if you want me to lead a youth group, if you want me to teach your word in some way, I'm available. I'm available. And if a specific opportunity comes to me this summer, I'm not going to say no. That was the kicker. Because then I'm actually putting myself in the position where, if an opportunity arises, I'm going to initially think this is probably God's leading in my life to do something for Him and for His sake. And sure enough, that summer, a Bible study leading opportunity happened. I began teaching, I began teaching the scriptures, and in fact, I have no idea still to this day why they permitted this to happen but they gave me the opportunity as a 20-year-old to stand before fully grown and mature adults and open up the scriptures and preach a message from the Bible. It was the worst message I've ever preached in my entire life. It was so bad I hope and pray that church has no record of it at all and it never makes its way onto Facebook or social media or anywhere on the internet especially because many of you will get it and Pastor Cassidy I know will mock me (laughs) and it would be warranted because it was terrible but even at the in the aftermath of that I thought to myself yeah that was pretty rough but you know what I can see a path and a trajectory towards growth and maturity that would put me in a place to where people actually aren't just suffering through a message that I'm preaching. And that set me on a trajectory to be mentored by the pastor that allowed for me to fill his pulpit one Sunday and set me on a trajectory to where I'm standing here before you attempting with my best effort to deploy my spiritual gifts so that you might be built up. Now that's just my story. Every single one of you has an individual story that God is writing with your life so that you might deploy your spiritual gift and the body of Christ might be built up. As you are here on Sunday morning or as you're fellowshipping with other Christians throughout the week, you need to be on the lookout for other believers doing something that you think that, you know what, God might be calling me into that area and be getting into fellowship with those people to say, how might we do these things better at Sierra Bible Church? How might we think better and execute better in the area uh, of mission and service and teaching and worship? How, How might we be able to edify and build up Christ's body here in the city of Reno by deploying our spiritual gifts collectively together so that his church might be built up? What has God given you his grace to accomplish here and now? If you don't use your spiritual gifts, they're wasted. It's not like a bank account where you receive money and you put it in the bank and then you can just use it later. That's not how spiritual gifts work. Spiritual gifts are like muscles, you either use them, you get stronger, you gain in competency in exercising and deploying those gifts, or they go into atrophy. They're either used, strengthened, to strengthen and edify the body of Christ and be, so that the body of Christ might be built up, or they go into atrophy, and they lessen, they shrink, they're, they're less effective. We'll, we'll talk even more about that Uh, Next week, as we get into verses 11 through through 14, Christ has given each one of you a gift. No more excuses. Let's use them. Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, I understand conceptually that that Christ has given me a, a gift, but Carl, like, I'm going to be worse than your first sermon. Like, what do I do if I, if I think that this is what God is calling me to do, but I fail miserably? Well, that's where we lean into verses 8 through 10. In chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, the, the Apostle Paul teaches us that because of the resurrection, the, the gifts that we are given, they're, they're guaranteed to equip others. Verse 8, Paul quotes Psalm 68, verse 18, which speaks of God's victory. In the resurrection, the Apostle Paul noted in another instance, uh, like the one that's described here in Psalm 68, verse 18, that, that God has won. The resurrection is the public proclamation that God has won, that he is victorious. The exaltation of Jesus, his uh, ascension into heaven and his seat, being seated on a throne of heaven, that's the, the fulfillment of, the tri, of a triumphant and a victorious God. On, on the basis of this victory that God has accomplished in Christ's exaltation, we are guaranteed the effectiveness of spiritual gifts. It's not based upon your effort and your execution. It's based upon his strength, his power, his calling, his equipping, and his maturing. So as surely as Jesus is seated on a throne in heaven right now, that is as sure as your spiritual gifts will be developed and strengthened and used to equip others in service to his body. In verses 9 and 10, Paul makes this parenthetical comment about the reference that he alludes to in, verse, in Psalm chapter 68, verse 18. In verse 9, God is described as descended. He descended Uh, There's much discussion about regarding exactly what the reference is to God descending and where he descends. But the the most likely reference in, in this passage is a reference to the incarnation. That when the Son of God himself, who is in the highest of heaven, chose to become flesh, become a man, he descended all the way down to earth. He came all the way into our neighborhood. He came all the way into our existence from the perfect, pristine, heavenly realms. He descended all the way down to earth to live as a man, a human being like you and me. And this has massive theological implications and spiritual implications for all of us. God didn't come just halfway down. He didn't come into the clouds and bark his commands and say, you better obey me or else you won't experience victory. He didn't come three quarters of the way down and just throw us a rope and say, grab onto the rope and I'll pull you up. He descended all the way down. He became fully a man with fingernails and skin cells and eyebrows. He was fully human being. And in the context of this passage, Paul references it because he descended all the way down so that he might conquer and overcome any spiritual enemy that any of his people come against. The context of he descended is so that he might ascend. In other words, anything that is trying, was trying to keep Jesus down, sin, death, judgment, hell, anything that was trying to keep him here, he rose above. He came up Higher. this is the argument of verse 10 he who descended is the one who ascended far above all things above all the heavens that he might fill all things he went all the way down to the earth to face all of the spiritual opposition that we face And he ascended over every ruler, over every authority, over every realm of spiritual, over every spiritual realm, over every level of heaven to be seated on a throne high above every other thing. This is consistent with Paul's language in chapter 1, verse 21. And both in that context and in this context, Paul is speaking to his body, the body of Christ, the church brothers and sisters, we aren't here to play games. We're not here to be entertained. We're not here for some Sunday ritual that we just like to uh, gather together and sing some songs and hear a lecture. We are here collectively because Christ has flexed his muscles in the resurrection and called us to himself to be a part of his body, to serve him right here and right now. And because of the resurrection and through his church in his body, we right now as his church are his means in which he fills all things. This, this, is, not, this, this is not some religious exercise. This is the flexing of Christ's authority to rule the entire cosmos. If we thought of church in this way, you would think what we're doing on Sunday morning has so much more power than what we do in the voting box. If we thought of it this way, we would say what we do on Sunday morning as we're gathering has so much more influence than what happens Monday through Friday in any other activity. Because we are communing with Christ, we are hearing from His Word, we are being equipped by the Spirit to do everything that He has called us to do. And we wouldn't judge a church on the basis of anything other than are we being equipped? to do what Christ has called us to do, to build his body as he exercises his authority over all things. Every, uh, every summer, well, not every summer, but every summer, sorry, I'm thinking out loud, this is what happens. Every summer that an Anderson boy turned 10 as I was growing up, my dad would take me and whoever was turning 10 and all of the sons who were over 10 uh, on a camping trip in the boundary waters between Minnesota and, uh, and Canada. It was, there's a, an aerial picture of, the, it is one of the most beautiful places in the entire planet. When we would go, we, we would travel, especially the first time I went, I had no idea what was happening. I just knew my dad wanted to take me on this trip with a cu- couple other guys. So we get up to, uh, we wake up really early, we travel all the way to the Boundary Waters, and we get to the Outfitter. The Outfitter uh, puts everything in our car that we, that we might need. Duluth packs filled with tents, fishing gears, canoes, everything that we might need. And I just got in the canoe and we just started paddling. For five, to ten day, for five to ten days, we were just solely at the mercy of our equipment and the knowledge my dad had of that particular area. When I, was, when I first went there, I had no idea how to canoe. I had no idea how to hold a, a, uh, a Duluth pack that was at that time bigger than me. I had no idea how to catch smallmouth bass. I had no idea how to cook from a campfire. I had no idea how to pitch a tent. I just followed my dad, who had all of the details, all of the plans worked out, all of the equipment, all of the knowledge of the equipment, and did whatever he told me to do. The first time, I was just completely clueless. We had all the equipment that we needed for a successful trip, but I needed to lean on my father's understanding, his knowledge, his, his, his gifts, and, and his understanding of everything. After we had done it three or four times, by the time I'm a fully functioning adult, I could act almost exactly the way that my father acted. I could help that 10-year-old and tell him, this is how you pitch a tent. This is how you start a fire. This is how you, they, you set up your... You're rod and your reel, and this is the type of bait that you need to use to catch this particular type of fish. Make the spiritual translation here God is the all-knowing Father. In the resurrection, he has overcome every obstacle that would come against us. And as he deploys his his spiritual gifts in the church, he doesn't expect you to already walk in the fullness of maturity of what it means to be a follower of Christ. He knows and expects, you need to learn, you need to grow, you need to be shaped and nurtured and be more transformed into the image of my son. But it all starts with the understanding that Christ is going to be with you, that Christ is going to equip you, and that Christ is going to deploy you to exercise his rule and his reign over his creation through the means of his church. So let's close this thing down with just two questions. And then two questions are this. First, what are you lacking in your service to the body of Christ right now? What are you lacking in your service to the body of Christ right now? Some of you might say, well, I'm not doing anything. Well, that's what you're lacking. You're not doing anything. (laughs) But some of you say, well, I'm not really lacking time or opportunity. Maybe I'm just lacking skills to continue to develop into a more effective service. But what are you lacking? Think through your own life. What are you lacking right now in your service to the body of Christ? Maybe some of you might think, well, my time. I don't have any other time to actually serve Christ because I'm doing so many other things. That's a problem. That's a problem. Christ expects you to, to give and offer some of your time to him. What are you lacking in your service to the body of Christ right now? And number two, more positively, what would it look like if you were fully equipped to serve him? So I want you in your sanctified imagination to imagine what your life would look like if you were walking fully equipped in the spiritual gifts that God has given you. Go ahead and allow your imagination to run. Would you be Would you be leading a new ministry that we don't have going here specifically yet? Would you be a fully functioning team member of a ministry that needs some help? What would it look like if you were fully equipped to serve him in the way that he is calling him? Now, when collectively all of the members of Sierra Bible Church are operating according to that vision of what it would look like for all of us collectively and together to be fully equipped to serve Him, then we start, being, we start fun- fully functioning as a church in who God has called us to be. So as we sing this last song, that Christ is risen from the dead, that Christ has overcome sin, he's overcome death, he's overcome the grave. I want you to focus on, because of that resurrection reality, what is God calling me to do here at Sierra Bible Church to serve him specifically right now? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that you have called us to serve you in your church. God, we pray that we wouldn't allow for our spiritual muscles to atrophy, but that we, by the power of your Spirit, might exercise the gifts that you have given to us so that your body might be strengthened, so that your body might be built up, so that your rule and your reign over the cosmos might be seen in Reno, Sparks, and throughout the world as your church multiplies. God help us to know and love and serve you for all that you have done for us. Help us to walk with you patiently. Help us to know and to understand what it means to be a follower of you. And God, I pray that you would just give us a clear vision of, of what each and every one of our individual lives would look like if we were to walk fully equipped. Thank you for all that you've done for us in Christ. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.